uh, begin 053 as I begin beer 002. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Um, it's great to talk to you guys. <laughs> wow. You know what happens when you let Ronald kick the show you off? You know what? We, <laughs> he's coming he down to, already. He's, <laughs> he's got a very tall glass of water and he still yeah. can't get it together. We were, we were chatting before the show in a casual way that was much more high energy than right. that. Right, and it's just... Yeah, as soon as you see John go for that space bar or mm. that trackpad, it's just like... You kind of freeze up a little bit. You clench your butt a little bit. In recording circles, we call that red light fever, Ronald. Red when, light fever. When knowing that okay. it's uh, knowing that you're being recorded causes Time you to shine. choke. Up. I know. Yeah. I call. I call that. I thought. I call that character uh, very disappointed, man. What is? What are you very disappointed in, man? <laughs> um. What disappointed you today? Very disappointed that I didn't get to see one of the movies that you guys. Oh. Me. I can say the same thing. So we're in that boat okay. together. Yeah. But different movies. Different movies. John's the uh, backbone of this episode, right. as always. <laughs> Damn as, it. As always. Bastard. So no change from the usual. <laughs> yeah. Carrying us on his Carry back. on. <laughs> so yeah, welcome to episode 53 mm-hmm. of the Movie Schmovie podcast. We got a lot to talk about today. We do. We've seen a lot of movies. And that's We're going to just kind of briefly mention, but then we're also going to do two kind of feature reviews. Like mm-hmm. I said, John saw both, and Ron and I each saw one of the two. Both kind of higher profile releases. One's doing pretty great in theaters. One's not. <laughs> one's, in fact, doing very curiously the opposite of great in theaters. <laughs> but before we get to that, I think one thing we definitely need to address is last time we sort of we made a pledge oh, yes. to you. Mm-hmm. More, to to e- more to each other. Pledge. More it was a pledge that we made to each other. But it was that uh, before uh, recording this episode, mm-hmm. Steve and I would watch Record and Ronald would watch Let Me In. Right. Ronald, did you watch Let Me In? Not yet. Oh, well, see, never mind then. So this whole house of cards is coming down. Well, Steve and I watched Record. Yeah, we had a bar into the bar. Good. We could have started talking about those movies right now <laughs> or a few seconds ago, <laughs> and we'd be still talking about them now, but we're actually going to hold off and do that next time. Tell, tell them what they have in store for them next time. Well, I think next week, the next episode, you you grace upon your your earlobes. Oh, it's going to be our the start of our... Remake the great remake debate. Oh man, we've teased it the entire run of this podcast through 53 <laughs> episodes. At some point, I feel like we've always mentioned remakes. We always go back and forth, and we will finally, now that we have our, our third member here, our neutral party. Yes, right. We will we will start the great debate uh, of neutral, remakes. If neutral means incredibly indecisive and easily persuaded, <laughs> yes, that's actually the definition I was going. So with, I will be moderating an intense. Debate between Ronald and Steve next time about remakes. And I'm so. ready for it. I'm so ready Obviously not. It. You didn't see Let Me In. Look at that. I, well, I will be ready I got for the it. upper hand already, John. I feel good about this. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, it's going to be next week. But before we uh, get too far with that, let's just kind of bring it back. You saw a few films. You, you said you've yeah. seen so many movies. I've seen so many movies. Beyond our feature ones. Yep. What have you seen, Ronald? Um, to Rome with Love, the Woody Allen movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Man. With I, Javier. Yeah, I'm easily. Oh I'm, wait, is Javier in that? No, 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 he's not in that one. That's that's. <laughs> You're gonna said with uh, Sean Penn. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the, like, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. That's Christina. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Vicky Christina Barcelona. Vicky Christina. <laughs> I always mess up the order. Anything with three of something. Or what, 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 what's the one that? Uh, it's Vicky Christina Olsen was oh, in. Oh no! Don't what, what's it called, Ronald? I don't try to get me to do what that. What is it called? Uh, Marcy, Marcy. Marcy May, Christina Barcelona. <laughs> That's it, John. God, John. Is the I can deal. never get it, man. Anytime there's like multiple names involved, <laughs> fail sus. <laughs> so I saw that. That was a solid movie. Um, entertaining. 
Woody Allen is just an ode to Rome. You know what I mean? It's 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 just like uh, his last offering. What's the one about the the poets? Um, what? Uh, Woody Allen movie about Midnight the in Paris? That's that's yours. My, one of my favorite films. Yes, one of his favorite. I don't know why. Uh, okay. I love, did you see it, John? You know, I didn't, but I I think I might like it just because Woody Allen's one of those guys that I I I sort of worshipped at his feet for a little while, and then you know he's just the best thing and the worst thing about him are the same thing, which is that he keeps making movies. Like I like that right, he sure. makes one every year, sure. and it's kind of he's not precious about it, and I think that's really cool. But I think that also results in a lot of kind of half-assed right. movies. Um, I saw the comedy. Oh, I've been wanting to see that. Tim How and was Eric. <laughs> um, I mean, I know fully well what to expect. Kind okay. of. I know that it's if, not a comedy. If uh, you know, if you know Tim and Eric, you know that it's going to be awkward and weird, and you're going to have moments of laughs. But it's it's not like anything I've seen before. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's like a series of sketches into one. It's not even coherent. With with, mm-hmm. with the whole, but it's 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 worth checking out if you like that style of comedy. Wasn't that that was at the film festival this year? It was. It? Yeah, and I, I wish I would have we been able to see it, it there. Um, yeah, it's been on demand for a couple of weeks. I just haven't made time to. Am watch I just it. shooting off the ones I've seen? Or yeah, why not? I mean, okay. just I mean, just kind of suggestions for people to maybe okay. check out. Also, saw Why Stop Now, uh, the movie with uh, Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Melissa Leo and Tracy Morgan. Um, Directed by Phil Dorling, mm. it it was pretty good. I remember seeing a trailer for it, yeah, but I don't, it was okay. I don't recall eh, much about it. Meh. Pass, I mean, pass. Okay. Oh, but I did see End of Watch. Oh man, I did see End of Watch. <sighs> was it great? Yeah, it's it's. Uh... <laughs> no, it's crazy that you say it's that because really I just read good. a long article last night about how it's actually opening back up. In like two theaters, it needs to along with the gray next really? week. Yeah, these films that came out earlier in the year that right. they it, think is going to get some consideration for awards and right. end of watch. The whole article was about end that, of watch. that article. That, so, uh, that film. so think found footage, cop movie style. Um, man, it's different. It's something that I've never really seen before. So, um, it's about two cops, um, existing in uh, L.A. So Jake. So they exist. They exist. They're not in some kind of void. Right. They're not projections of someone's imagination. Right. So they're basically in this cop sort of situation where uh, the Brian is Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, He decides to. He's taking a film class while he's being a cop, and um, he decides to document his whole experience um, in this area of of Compton, pretty much, and it is intense. It is crazy intense and it mixes um actual film with like the found footage that they have and it it goes from um brian's character to some of the gangsters have cameras and they're filming some of it and uh it just kind of intertwines all these stories and they what makes it so amazing is there is a series of busts that they keep having um and you don't know how they're related and mm-hmm. then you find out that it's a bigger situation going on that kind of supersedes the idea of being a good cop. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, there's yeah. this point where they're like, you need to back down. Don't look into this stuff. They do it, and then shit gets insane. It's a great movie. Wow. Especially if you like movies like Southland. Hell yeah. I mean, shows like Southland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll love this movie. 
And the watch was damn that's, asleep. I need to see it. What, now. what if you like movies like Southland Tales? Will it, will it help <laughs> like you out I in did. any this way? This movie would probably make way too much sense. Like yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Where um, are Justin Timberlake and The Rock <laughs> tap dancing together? Yeah. Please. <laughs> and then the last movie I saw was Ruby Sparks. Oh, I saw. Oh, that. How was that? I saw that a few weeks ago. What did you think? I liked it. I liked it too. Yeah, it's kind of weird at the end, but I. I was into it. Yeah. So how does Paul Dano do in a movie where he doesn't get the shit beaten out of him or like pieces of his face cut off in the I future? Think he emotionally gets the shit beat out of him. He has this thing though, like like Jesse Eisenberg has this thing where he acts like all all jittery. So too does Paul Dano have this thing where he's like mm-hmm. about yeah, everything. He's like neurotic about everything. <laughs> neurotic. I thought it was cool though. I thought it was a really cool story. Yeah, and I liked uh, Zoe Kazan. I think yeah. she was really sweet, Zoe. and she. Co-wrote it or wrote really? it? Or wrote it, for it, it oh, seemed man. kind of. I don't know. From the premise, it just sounded really cutesy. Did it? Did it rise above that? Like, yeah. was it? Yeah, it I did. think it gets into more like heavier themes, like okay. more emotional, mental, even. Yeah, themes. man. And with family as well. Like when you when you actually meet his family, who is uh, Antonio Banderas is his like stepfather, and yeah. uh, is it Annette Benning? Who is the? Yeah, Anna. Chris Messina. Who is the brother, brother though? Chris Messina. Okay. Yeah, he was really good too. I, watched, I liked him. I like him on uh, the Mindy Project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was also in Argo. Oh was yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in Argo. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like yeah. Ruby Sparks. I, I saw yeah. that a couple weeks ago. It's nice to see him in a different role. What's that guy's name again? Chris Messina. Oh, Paul Dano. Christmas. Chris Messina. Oh, Chris Messina. Okay, okay. <laughs> Looks like Christmas. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure he got that. Christmas Ena. It's nice to see him in a role where he isn't a dickhead, man, because he he plays a dickhead a lot, and I liked how he was in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's a little more. Oh, warm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So those are the movies I saw. Um, aside from the movies that we are going to talk about in more detail, I've only seen mm. a couple. Um, I saw Rise of the Guardians. Okay. okay. Did you see that, Steve? I did. You did. What did you think of it? I actually liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Right. I thought the marketing for the movie was horrible after seeing it. Yeah, yeah. It was a real... <laughs> was I mean, terrible. like... It's a I, I think that part, part of the problem with the marketing is we've seen some good DreamWorks animation, and we've seen some kind of kind of cruddy looking CGI from them. And this sure. sort of fell in between in yeah. terms of the look. It looks very but, straight to DVD. But there are certain parts where the visuals are really imaginative and really cool. And I don't know, I thought it was, I thought it was, I think Steve said it just right. It was a lot better than you kind of expected it to be based on the way it was being sold. And it almost seems like the studio didn't know what to do with it and kind of just, just put it out there. Yeah. I was like, Oh, we don't know what to do, but it has something to do with Christmas and the yeah. holidays. So let's just put it between Thanksgiving and yeah. Christmas, yeah. you know? I I really I really did enjoy the story. I mean, like I thought, if I was a kid, it would have been really cool to experience it. I think you know to see the the back like the backstory a little bit of these these legends of, of you know or these characters that I, I remembered as a kid. But um, you're right; some of the visuals were I thought incredible. I didn't see it in 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't either. Uh, but I, I you know I just I just think that it's it, maybe some of the scenes would have played well in 3D. Like I felt like one of the better ones that I've seen recently in 3D was was How to Train Your Dragon, mm-hmm. which was one of the successful DreamWorks animations that you're referencing. And uh, the 3D was incredible. There was a couple of scenes where I was like maybe I, I maybe I should have seen in 3D like some of the like with the snow scenes and like when mm-hmm. Jack is like battling. It's a cool climax. And actually I was asking Henry about how he felt about it. And he said he liked it best, you know, of course every kid's going to say they liked the last movie they saw mm. the best. <laughs> But he said he liked it because the ending was was even happier than Wreck-It oh. Ralph. And I thought about it, and I was like, I couldn't really decide how the ending was really that much happier 
than Wreck-It Ralph, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't. Think I'm trying of, to think of who it was. Happy I can't for, find you know, a happier. Yeah. Right. I mean, besides renewing the uh, belief in these <laughs> these figures, I think what we have there is the fact that he's he's five years. Yeah, old. Yeah, that's probably what it is. So he, he's, he, I mean, he I remember that. I remember saying us. always that the the last movie I saw was the best movie I'd ever seen. So. <laughs> I still do that, I think. Really? <laughs> a little bit that way. I'm a little bit. That's why I always like to take a day or something yeah, before we talk he had, about it. He had an explanation for it. The one thing I thought was kind of funny about it was that in the movie, uh, the whole premise is you've got Sandman, Tooth Fairy, Easter Bunny, Santa Claus. These are the ones that everybody, they're all sort of safe. Everybody kind of believes in them. All mm-hmm. the kids believe in them. But Jack Frost is having a hard time kind of cracking into the club because he's supposed to be such an obscure, you know. Oh, hero. that's pretty cool. But, I don't remember the Sandman ever being like a real thing right. to me too when I was a we kid. Had, I had a conversation with my girlfriend after the movie. I was like, I don't. Re- I mean, I know what the Sandman is, but more so from that song. Yeah, you know, like right. that Mr. Sandman. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, he was like, in some ways, like the backbone of the group. Like, yeah. he was almost like the strongest. Didn't he make people go to sleep? Is that what it was? Is, uh, he like helped them dream. Yeah, or he like mm-hmm. you know. I guess that's why it's so. Well, also like the way they kind of corrupt that with like turning it into his power into kind of a nightmare power in the in the movie oh, was, cool. was kind of cool, but yeah, and it's like the I thought the the villain I thought his look was sort of uninspired and kind of kind of just blah. I so, did like the voice. Uh, it was a Jude. Yeah, Jude Law right? was good. It was awesome. Yeah. And also, let's just say that the name Rise of the Guardians could not be more like it's vague. Well, it's confusing because everyone's going to think of that Owl movie from a couple of years ago. I, I oh did. yeah, Legend of the Guardians. Yeah. The Owls of Gaul. Yeah. And it was a CG animated film. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I had no desire to see that movie, the yeah. Owl movie. Yeah, I'd say go see Rise of the Guardians, though. Okay, I, I liked it. Uh, so I, I really only have two that I want to talk about real mm. quick, and then we can kind of get into the features. Uh, I saw Lawless, which I was upset yeah. that I missed in the theater. John Hillcoat's new film. I was really a big fan of the Proposition, right. uh, which came out a couple of years ago. Uh, this film, Shia LaBeouf, Tom Hardy, Guy Pierce, who I think is amazing. Um, really solid film. I mean, like, I, I really like the tone of his film. It's kind of slower. It's kind of... It has a... Like, even watching The Proposition 2, Lawless, I mm-hmm. feel like it could just be a part of a series, you know? Even though they're different, you know, sets S- Same times. screenwriter, right? Aren't yeah, they Nick both Cave, written by yeah. Nick Cave? That tone, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's something that he creates in his, you know, his stories, but... Well, he's a he's a musician. Yeah, you know? yeah. So he's like, he does, he does sing a lot of kind of, like, songs about murder and, 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 and that kind of almost have an old... Old, like an old as the hills kind of rustic feel that's, to him. That's like the movie Up and Down. So um, that's out on DVD right now. I would definitely check that out. And in theaters this week is also Hitchcock, which is um, Anthony Hopkins as Alfred Hitchcock. It's about um, a guy with a crooked cock, right? That's what I've heard. That, that, that's actually the, the rumors are true. <laughs> yeah, what it is. Okay. Um, Enough said. Move on. <laughs> um, I like that. From everything I saw of Alfred Hitchcock, like videos and whatnot, like yeah. I think. Hopkins is like dead on. I mean, I've read a lot of stuff, and even some people at the screening, like, did not enjoy him as Ann Hopkins. I mean, as, as Hitchcock, but like, I guess about the 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 accent or like his speech. I, I mean, I, everything I remember watching, I thought it was pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. And and the cool thing about the movie, which I definitely recommend checking out, is that it played a lot lighter than I thought it would. The basic backdrop of it is is Alfred Hitchcock making Psycho. And and his involvement with his leading ladies, you know, with just the Paramount Pictures and the debacle and even getting the film made, and 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 mainly his relationship with uh, with his wife Alma and her involvement in 
making his films. You know, like mm-hmm. I never realized that she had such a hand in it. So say something pervy about uh, Scarlett Johansson or something. You know, get this back on track. I mean, you don't see him, but she references that she has big boobs. I don't know. Uh, All right, well, know, then we you're knew done. that already. Yeah. There you go, yeah. Ronald. You're in, right? Oh, uh, man, let me tell you, gorgeous Scarlett Johansson and Jessica Biel in one movie. That's all I need to know. Who is Jessica Biel in a movie? Uh, She's Bella. Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Does she play a major character? Yeah, she plays Vera Miles, the, the sister in Psycho. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. What's wrong? I love those two women, man. Oh, Vera Miles? I love... I love Jessica Biel? I love... Uh, no, Jessica Biel. <laughs> Scarlet. Janet Lee and Vera Miles. <laughs> Janet Lee? Well, nice, man. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson, man. The other movie that I saw, um, which Go is... Go see Psycho. Is... Uh, on a uh, <laughs> and Hitchcock, <laughs> I actually need to see Psycho again after seeing Hitchcock. I was like, I haven't did, seen did it, in it a make long you because it's mostly about the making of that film. It's right? all about that. Oh, okay, and actually, and James Darcy plays uh, Anthony Perkins, and I thought he was great. Yeah, I mean, he's only in like three scenes, but just the awkwardness of any interview I've ever seen with Anthony Perkins, it's like he nailed it. Gotcha. I mean, and they actually play up like the you know I guess the questionable like his sexuality even at that point and things like that, and it's kind of cool. I mean, well done by him. But yeah. Hitchcock's in theaters. I'd I, I check that out too. Is it? I know you you were at a screening yesterday. Is it in theaters now or is it oh, the seven? Okay, yeah. the seven. So it goes yeah. wide on Friday. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. So, I th- it so is as of it, today. It, it's it, it is playing in select theaters. <clears throat> like it's uh you know I guess probably top ten cities. It's playing at like probably art house cinemas right now. Mm-hmm. But on the seventh, it goes out wider. So, so see that, folks. So we just we just talked about a movie that's out right now. Get out of here. You got the advanced scoop on something. You do. <laughs> So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you the 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 far far not an advanced scoop on a DVD extra that was actually really good. But it is a movie. Um, it's part of the Alien anthology Blu-rays, okay. which are actually right now on Amazon are like are like twenty bucks or something really? for all four movies on Blu-ray, and they are they have these incredibly detailed documentaries about the making of each film, mm. and. Uh, I was very surprised to find I'd, I'd read about this somewhere, so I checked it out. I was really surprised to find that the documentary about the making of Alien Three is incredibly frank about all the mistakes and all the problems that went into producing a film that no one was really that happy with. So, really? like David Fincher's never interviewed for the documentary, but he's basically the star of it. I mean, he's yeah. there's some behind the scenes footage, but there's a lot of studio. It's like a three hour, you know, going from the inception of the script to the reaction to the film. Wow, uh, it's one of the best dissections of what can go wrong, even with really talented people trying their best. Uh, that I've ever seen. And I, I kept thinking, well, this three hours, how much of this can I watch? But it was just every time it would get to wow. a new aspect of the movie, like they would get, you know, oh, you saw all the problems they had with the script and you saw all the problems they had with nailing this down and getting a director. And now you're seeing the production and you're seeing how that's going wrong. You know, every aspect of it was plagued by one of those little Hollywood problems that that it didn't matter that David Fincher was was kind of like a visual genius, and it didn't matter that he had all these these creative people working at the top of their of their craft. Wow! <clears throat> they basically were shooting without a script was the problem, you know. Oh, wow! But it was very fascinating. I mean, I I would recommend it. It almost seems like it's the kind of thing they should be showing in film school or something, just right. to kind of say like, you know, because it doesn't result in a horrible film. I've never like hated that film, but it is it is sort of if you're going to look at that series, it is a big step down from yeah, the first a, two to yeah. that one. But it does kind of hold true to the idea that each one of those movies is directed by a, what you might consider to be a visionary director. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so oh, it's yeah, very interesting to see like how young David Fincher was at the time, and he was coming off of like doing commercials and videos. And so his ideas, like since there was never a script, it was all sort of in his head. 
And, you know, they were having to improvise all the time on the set. And, and they already had sets built for a script that they weren't shooting anymore and wow. all this kind of crazy stuff. Yikes. So, yeah. I would say it's, and I, I think it's, out. it's like, it's, good. if I don't know if it's on any of the other releases of this, but I think this is a documentary that is longer on the, the Blu ray set, but may have existed in a previous oh, DVD okay. version. But it's called Wreckage and Rage The Making of Alien 3. <laughs> and that, <laughs> how does, you know, it, how does, the movie look on Blu-ray. Like, how do the... Yeah, I was movies... really bummed out to see how poorly the uh, the <laughs> yeah, effects in that movie have figuring, aged. Yeah. Because, it's you know, so often when you're watching one of those making of things and they show the pre-visualization and yeah. they show what they did on set and they build up to the actual effect. And so often you go like, oh, and that's how they got it to look so cool. And this one you're like, oh, yeah, but this was the <laughs> mid-90s or whenever it was. But it's like CG was just... Like, yeah. the, if that movie had been made one year later, right. they would have been using CG for some of the stuff gotcha. which for better or for worse they were trying a lot of like a lot of uh uh like digital insertion of miniatures and stuff yeah. like that uh, and it just the color matching and the lighting didn't really match right. i mean if you look at that movie now it does look extremely fake mm. but seeing how they put it together again just seeing all these people trying really hard but still right. kind of <laughs> you know right so, that sounds cool yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was a very long catch up, but yeah, you're welcome yeah. for all those suggestions. Absolutely. <laughs> so which feature are we gonna get into first? Um I guess we should talk about something that you guys I haven't seen. Let's talk about that first. You wanna go take a nap real quick? No, no. <laughs> but if we I'll... go in chronological historical order. Yeah, you would be up first. Okay. Really? I think so. I think so. <laughs> Did you ever attend a history class in school? <laughs> you understand oh, that years don't go backwards? I understand what you're saying. What's the matter, Ronald? I see what you did there. Because I'm just sad I missed the movie. I really wanted to see the one you guys saw. So, Well, Steve really wanted to see the one that we saw. You didn't see it? No. I just. Where have you been all night? No. Yes, your car lights were when on. When you said that. When you Anyone said listening to this, we're being so coded. <laughs> Basically, what happened is Ronald and I both saw Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Steve and I both saw Killing Them Softly. Those are the other films we're going to be talking about Man. now. Okay. All right. So I guess, why don't we talk about Lincoln? <laughs> what a great idea. <laughs> he seems so excited. Why don't we talk about Lincoln? <laughs> so, I mean, we all know the story of Mr. Abe Lincoln. I don't. President. So <laughs> rather than talking about this man's whole life from beginning to end, this focused on one portion. Yeah, just a few this, months. Just a few months. Kind of leading up to the uh, abolishing of slavery and how it came about in the angles that it, uh, it, it, the perspectives that it followed. I, you know, honestly, um, first and foremost, I want to say that it was probably one of the coolest looks at such a such a really deeply rooted issue that kind of ruined i mean for a very long time i mean the country took a very long time to recover from such a big thing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it pulled no punches about how people felt about it and i love that about it right it wasn't like it wasn't like they asked people and they were like well I'd like to see a Negro. Have, it was like, no, I don't believe. Well, everybody, I love what, what the movie really presses uh, it, that. And it's a point that I guess I sort of knew, mm-hmm. but it was really exciting to kind of see it play out 
was just how much it was politics that saved the day. Oh, yeah. It was deals being made, and it was relatively shady guys yeah. twisting people's arms to get the result that they wanted. It just so happens that we all agree now the result that they wanted was the right result. Right. But Lincoln was, uh, uh, like, it wasn't because he was so right that right. made him an important president. It was that he was willing to seize the day. And I think we see it in politics now, too, where you sort of, I mean, you have progressive people and you have mm -hmm. people that are digging in their heels. And the people that are progressive, I think we love the, well, we, you, mm -hmm. everybody, guess where my political <laughs> affiliations lie. Um, progressive people, um, I, I think the, the idea is that every now and then leadership has to push things forward. And that yeah. sometimes, even though you're voted in by the people, doesn't mean you rely on the people right. for all of your all of your actions. And I think that what you see is that Lincoln was a man who knew I may never get a chance to do anything as important as this, right? And I may never get this chance again. And here it is. I don't care. I mean, it was so political the way he pushed it through. And they didn't even appeal to people's better nature or their sense of morality. Yeah. They were like greasing palms with promises of other jobs and with appointments and yeah. all this crazy stuff. It's just funny to see how much it was politics. I thought yeah. that was really well depicted. And I got really excited about that aspect of the movie, the fact that you were sort of seeing how how anything happens in politics. It's, yeah. it's, you that get was... a coalition together and you get the right people. And then it's like once enough people have decided, well, this is what we're going to do, and we agree we're going to do this. It's like, well, we know we've got a lock on these votes, so now we know we literally need to convince 13 or 14 people yeah. or whatever it was in the movie. And then that's really what the movie is about, is yeah, like those cool. swing votes, like figuring yeah, out a way to was... capitalize on. And it's they use every tactic in the book. They do. And and I think that was another <laughs> thing that I, I wasn't expecting was like uh, at first the people that were very pro um, the slaves being free were very passionate, and it was just passion. Yeah. And then they thought of a way to kind of side with logic in, in a political arena. Mm -hmm. And once they started doing that, people started siding with them more. On top of greasing bombs and all that sure. stuff, those last couple people were swayed through logic. Like, yeah. it was That was a weird... I was not expecting it to be so detailed in that way i thought it was just going to be glossed over by kind of like you know the, what you saw in the trailer it doesn't matter how you feel about this particular subject how do you feel about freedom of man in general yeah like how do you feel about these these ideas being granted to people because you wrote this shit mm -hmm. like i get that that was really cool um felt like a play yeah it was it was written like a play um the dialogue was very play-like. So if you don't like that sort of delivery of dialogue, yeah. that style of acting, you you might hate it. Like I found myself actually when they were going into the vote, yeah. I mean, I knew the amendment got passed, right? Yeah, but it was so intense. <laughs> but you still didn't know exactly how it was going to go yeah. and what roadblocks they were going to hit. The fact that they were able to create suspense around that scene where the votes are being cast, to me, just is a testament to how sometimes even if you go in with your guard up, which I did, mm -hmm. and, like, you're so ready to think this is going to be cheesy or, or whatever, I got sucked into... I mean, I was very moved by that aspect of the story. You know, yeah. you almost want to stand up and cheer when when the when the vote occurs. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes, It's it's a, it was funny to me, but I guess the whole idea of it is, is pretty crazy back then. When they're discussing um, freeing the slaves, and at first they're like, you know... Who wants to free the slaves? They're like, nobody wants to free the slaves. Yeah. Then they're like, you know that when they get free, you're going to have to accommodate them 
economically. Mm. Everybody's like, what? Yeah. Everybody's like flipping out, throwing papers up. <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. Like the reaction to the the whole notion that once these people are free, you thought about that. But you haven't thought about the idea that these people will need jobs. Yeah. These people want houses. These right. people want certain freedoms. Certain, they need some, some place they can live. Split in places socially right. and politically. And that stuff, it's it's a cool thing to see it all unfold. See these people almost like go bananas. Because mm-hmm. they, they were like throwing things at each other. Yeah. And that's cool. Because it, I guess... A lot of the times when you hear about the way these forums are done, it seems like these people are very civilized and nice about everything, and that's not necessarily the case. These these people are more educated than other people, mm-hmm. and that really is what separated them. That doesn't mean that their opinions were right. any less archaic. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that their ideas were any less, uh, you know. So that was really cool. Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I and I think that what's funny, I was saying before about how it's been a few weeks since I saw it. So therefore my, my feelings on it have almost kind of mellowed out. Mm-hmm. My general feelings now, is, I think are more positive. Like I think yeah. I came into this conversation thinking that I had more sort of negative things to say about it. Yeah. But I, I think like, if you look at what I have written down in my notes here under Lincoln, what does it say? <laughs> exactly what you expect. Exactly what you expect. <laughs> yeah. Exactly which is both, what you which is both good and bad. I yeah. think that like, and I think the things about it that are truly excellent, um, I mean, we haven't talked about any of the performances yet. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, oh, we all know yeah, yeah. we all know why ninety percent of the world was excited to see this movie is because they got an actor of Daniel Day Lewis's caliber. Yes, I did. This I did the most brilliantly timed piss break I've ever taken in a movie, though. <laughs> but, you know, you you sort of pray when you come back from the piss break that it'll be clear that you didn't miss anything. Right. Um, it's right when he's trying to, dis- there's a moment where Lincoln's trying to decide something. You're taking the slow walk around cause you don't want to miss anything. You want to make sure it's a good point to break. And right as I was about to walk out of the auditorium, uh, uh, Jared Harris's performance began and I, yeah. I knew he would probably only be in a couple of scenes. So I was like, okay, well I got to hang around for this. And I bolted the second it looked like Lincoln was just going to be looking out the window and, and looking pensive for a while. And I came back and he was still just kind of looking out the window, looking <laughs> pensive. So I was like, okay, maybe I missed a scene where he like helped his son put together a puzzle or something, right. but I don't think I missed any cool scenes within it. You know, you know, what about the slave trading cards? Can we talk about that for a second? That was pretty nutty. Like, I, <laughs> like the they didn't really explain was what was up with that. Like I feel like if I need trading cards, like they had like the kid like collected well, pictures of slaves, like. These, That's the younger. He kind of laid them out too, like they were like trading. He's like, look, it was almost like pogs. Yeah, <laughs> like a really, really racist form of pogs. Really racist the pog. most racist slammer ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if was... pog is a horrible racist slur <laughs> of some sort. Yeah. Um, who who are the standout actors? Okay, yeah, well everybody knows Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Okay, everybody knows Daniel Day Lewis. Oh man, um, close second. Pick, pick pick one person who is the standout besides Tommy Lewis. Lee. Fucking Jones. Who's your pick, John? I one person, James Spader. Yeah. Oh my god. And uh, all right. So I'll put Tommy Lee Jones, Sally Field, and Daniel Day Lewis in the same. That okay? They who were intense? See, but there's someone else. I almost feel bad that we haven't mentioned who? David Strathairn is great. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He he was. Um, he's kind of playing the sort of voice of reason. Or he's like, you know, I mean, his role is to kind of be the kind of like, are we sure we're doing this right kind of yeah. guy. But I thought those guys like the James Spader and John Hawks and uh, Tim Blake Nelson yeah. play the kind of 
and I actually I intended to look into the history of this before we talked about mm-hmm. it. But the um, they play the kind of shady guys. Like the the there's the sort of like Lincoln doesn't really want to be associated with this side of the operation to yeah. convince these people. So like the guys who are going out and like promising the people the appointments and sure. greasing the palms. That those people can't really be directly connected to the president. And so they have this these these kind of they're like the comic relief in the movie. But yeah. it's John Hawks and James Spader especially. And Tim Blake Nelson, but it's like yeah. it's it's you know even like Jared Harris, great example of he's great in his little Every, brief. Everybody that brief has those brief little performances, very good. Yeah. Um, what's that guy's name? Uh, McGill. Uh, Bruce McGill. Bruce McGill's Bruce McGill. I mean, like there's no other way. You know, he's kind of that snarky. He's great in it though. Yeah. Like everybody, I think he's the one that's like, "You're going to tell another yeah, story, I'm aren't you?" I'm not even saying that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that. Um, and Adam Driver felt a little bit. Contemporary to be in it, but maybe it's only because I associate him with girls so much. Yes. But uh, but he was. I thought his little scene was kind of nice. You know, he was like, perfect for the role. Like yeah. very like, I don't know. He kind of looks like he's from another time. He does anyway. What's his name? Yeah, Jared, uh, Jared Harris. I love him. I think that this is a very important movie. I think because uh, I don't think anything has been made like this in a while, and. Uh, the subject matter and it, it, I just like things like this being touched on in a way that seems fair. Yeah, and, you know, it didn't. It didn't really make it seem like the people. Really, it made it seem like the it was a very small population of people that wanted this to go through, and they fought really hard to get it. And in in the the whole crooked side of it, the way he greased palms and all that stuff. Yeah. Is a necessary evil. Yeah, right. It's like when yeah. you are able to think your way through an issue, I mean, when you're an elected official in a democracy, right. and you're able to think your way through an issue and put yourself down a few steps ahead mm-hmm. of the people that you're trying to lead, you have to you have to pull them forward. Yeah. And I think that we see that every now and then. I mean, we saw it in civil rights in the 60s. Like, you know, there's every now and then politics have to be yeah. forward thinking and have to drag the the dumb racists in the backwoods people yeah. that are afraid of their way of life changing those people have to be dragged forward into the future occasionally mm-hmm. you know and so it's like it's sort of seen as an outsized i don't know like i i think you can agree with like bigger gum, government versus smaller government you can go into that debate yeah all day long but i think this is one of those issues that's like if we ever needed a government to go ahead and decide enough of this shit it yeah. was slavery yeah, you know sure. and i don't think i don't i still don't think this country has kind of outlived the shadow of no, slavery no. i i think the the realist I, I one thing that was really cool about a was how direct he was about Everything he was feeling. Mm-hmm. I love when he was talking to the black guy, and he's like, "I've never really, I've never really talked to one of you guys at length, but I kind of see the importance of this going through. Like, this is an important thing." Yeah, it was. I, I was like, "Wow!" I didn't think that he would readily admit that he's never really yeah. had a conversation with a black person, not really hang out, hung out with a black person. But you can see why this is a shitty <clears throat> thing and why it should be abolished. So yeah. I I thought it was a good movie. Nothing really bad to say about it. I, again, I feel like if I if we talked about it the day after I saw it, I probably would have had I would have remembered little specific beats right. that yeah, were annoying same. or something. But I, as it is, I think that I mean it was a little long. Uh, but it was. when Lincoln goes to look out the window, go take a piss then, and you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. Yeah, you didn't miss much. No, didn't Just miss the much. kid looking at slave yeah. trade cards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I will find out that the scene I missed, there was like a dragon and somebody was <laughs> masturbating to it or something like that. It's like the best scene. Of the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, go see Lincoln. I plan to. Thank you. <laughs>
I'm glad to hear that you both liked it. I mean, I know there was some little con- there was concern, yeah. especially you know, I think with you, John, you seem to be a little concerned with the trailers. I mean, I do think it was. I think my fears were founded, but I think that it was what we had already theorized was that it was going to be one of those movies that was that well made and therefore yeah. a certain amount of cheese. But I mean, look at the subject matter. If you were ever going to get kind of serious about something, I think this was this was the subject to do okay. it about. So Lincoln's in theaters. We got two thumbs up from both of you guys. Mm. I don't well, think I mean, this movie a, needs our a, help. A thumb up from each of you, so <laughs> yeah. it would be two. Go see it. Yeah, it's it's it, you, a lot of people have already seen it, but you know what? It does need your help because this is a movie that's going to stay through the holidays. It's going to go through an Oscar run. It's going to be in the top ten for weeks to come. Mm-hmm. It's still holding strong. It's still making really good money. So I mean, I'm sure that it's going to get that best picture nomination simply because you two just reviewed it. So right. thank you both very much. Oh, Ron- Ronald, we did our part. Every little, every little <laughs> bit counts, I guess. I like so, to think that we were born into this historical <laughs> moment for this purpose. Th- that was it. It Would just you, happened. Do you think a man is made for his time, Ronald? Built for the moment in which he finds himself. I do, sir. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Cuba orchestrated music. Yeah, John <laughs> Okay, so on to the next one. Yes. Just to kind of jump ship to a more current uh, setting. But equally political, equally. oddly enough. Weird, right? I yeah. mean, I think that's going to be what kills this movie. Yeah. Maybe not so softly, but killing, killing them softly. So I want to. Andrew Dominic film. And what has he directed before that we know and love? That I, I mean, I referenced it before in a podcast. That was the uh, assassination of Jesse James by the Cal Robert Ford. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen Chopper, but I hear that that's something I oh should see. Oh, my God. Chopper's awesome. But that's interesting. He's like a guy who's like in his mid-40s. He's yep. directed three movies. Yep. He clearly takes his time. I think Killing Them Softly is a really is a really w- weird movie. Do you know about the uh, the the big story that's been going around about it? It got an F yeah. from the cinema score ratings. And I would guess nothing else from the, when I saw it. I mean, when, people did not like this movie. Which is oh. odd. And then if you look at the other, I think, did I read this right? That only eight movies in history have ever gotten an F oh, from no cinema idea. score? Wow, that's ridiculous. A complete F? An F. Shh. But the list of movies that have gotten the F, I wish I could call it up in my mind, but it's like it's it's um, it's not all shit. Right, it's right. some shit and some things that were you could sort of see audiences just not getting. Mm-hmm. But what was really surprising was then to look at the movies like there was a sampling of movies that have gotten A pluses, and those weren't all great either. So I mean, right. Cinema Score is definitely <laughs> yeah. like uh, the audiences like movies with happy endings. Audiences like most movies get an A or a B on Cinema Score. Mm-hmm. Most people who've paid to go see a movie after you know most people are pretty informed about what movie they're going to go see. At least they know why they're going to go see it. So they're like. Tonight I want to see a comedy or I want to see a romance. So they're not going to come out being all mad. Yeah. Um, They're not like me taking notes and getting all (laughs) pissed off about things. So it's like I was, yeah, it's hardly surprising, but I think that it is very interesting to note that this movie has gotten an F from uh, audiences in 25 key cities across the United States. Damn. And those are people... Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, as though Steve works for Cinema Score, but from what oh, I actually I do, from the, the the little reading I did indicates that that when they that score they get is from people who went to go see the movie expecting to like it. Like it's not from all. Really? So it's like that is even like that's the, even worse. It's like people that 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 knew what they were going to see. Which, but I'm not sure how they gauge that. I think what they do is try to gauge whether you went to see the movie based on advertising or based on information, or whether you went to see it based on like. Brad Pitt was in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Brad Pitt was in it audience member, to me, is the person I could see giving this movie a big fat F. But yeah. what, mm. what what grade would you give it, Steve? What what'd you think? You know, I actually I actually did like the movie. I didn't love the film. Yeah. It wasn't as good as I was hoping or thought it would be. It um, wasn't it wasn't what I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, it was wildly different. And I would say that I if I a letter grade, I'd probably say like a B minus. Mm-hmm. A B minus? Uh, yeah. 
I'd probably say and they gave it a def. Well, I, you know, like John said, I think it's a different crowd. I mean, I right, think right. the the mass uh, mass audience that doesn't either have the background of knowing what this filmmaker has done before, um, you know, with Brad Pitt in it as well, and even with with Chopper, which is not at all a mainstream film, mm-hmm. but um, even with with uh, Jesse James, I mean, something that you know you could go into that movie like, oh, this is a cool western with. Casey Affleck and Brad Pitt and whatever, and it's it's not at all. It's like slow burn thinker. It's 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 actually quite boring, but I, I it's a film I like. Right. But I think the problem with Killing Them Softly is that it's it's the people that go see it because it's Brad Pitt, or that you know James Gandolfini's in it, or it looks like a gangster movie, or it looks like a hitman thriller. You it know, does from the trailer, everything yeah. that I just said you get from the trailer, right? right? right. Well, it's it's really like. Two percent of that, like five percent of that, super stylized in the. Well, well it, it kind of is. is. It is, and that that's that's the his touch, the filmmaker's. T- I mean, I think even what if do you- they call that focus uh, effect where you focus on a very narrow. Uh, yeah, range of focus and everything in the foreground and everything in the background is out of focus. Like bullets coming out, like when a bullet goes out of a, and then like they focus. I don't know. It exactly. has that a lot. It does it in the surface of simulating the kind of. Uh, there's like. Like a druggy perspective, like there's one character in particular who we see shooting up, and mm. we see his perspective, and the movie kind of takes on his kind of woozy perspective at times, mm. um, in a way that's almost experimental. Like I think I found myself being kind of, I mean, rolling my eyes at the movie at certain points, but also sort of admiring its balls at those same points because mm. it is not an it is not a vanilla movie and it's not a generic movie at all. Mm. But it's not a movie where a whole heck of a lot happens that you can't sort of predict based on the setup. Uh, but it's not a plot centric film. So in that sense, you just kind of your own expectations about what kind of movie it might be change. You know, I would say it's too interesting to dismiss, but I don't know. I don't know in the end, you know, I would say B minus sounds about right. Like I think it has too many things going for it to say that it failed, Mm -hmm. but I, I, I don't know for sure if, because the political subtext of it is it's sort of taking place for one thing, I didn't know. I had to do some reading to discover that takes place in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. I didn't get a New Orleans feel. I, I didn't primarily because you don't see any black people. I mean, that's that's the main reason I was thinking about. Why did this not look like New Orleans? And I was like, "There's no black folks." Um, the, the other thing about it was that um, it it felt, and I I found out, and this is something I almost am embarrassed not to have known that it was based on a pretty famous crime novel from the '70s called Kogan's Trade. Um, but it was this 1974 crime novel or crime story that it's based on. This movie really felt like ni- 1974. I mean, the, the, even down to even the look of some of the characters and the cars they're driving. But it's set in 2008 against the backdrop of the election. So you, it starts off with McCain versus Obama kind of speeches being played in the background. And, or you can see like the billboards. You know, you know when it takes place. Hello, Movie Schmovie listener. This is John uh, interrupting right now to warn you that things get kind of spoilery from this point forward. Uh, It's not like we totally uh, ruin the rest of the movie. We don't really talk too much about the plot, but there's a few key lines of dialogue and, uh, uh, you know, uh, particularly the last scene of the movie that we end up discussing and, uh, yeah, if you want to see the movie completely fresh, I would recommend stopping now. I think, uh, basically Steve and I both say, go see it if you're curious, uh, but beware, you may hate it. And the movie really gets deep into that idea of promises. And it really it takes almost what you would call a pretty anti-Obama kind of stance in the sense of like the depiction of America is of like, this is a business not uh, a country. Okay. Gotcha. And you make promises 
fuck your promises, where's my money kind of attitude, you know? Uh, Last line of the movie, America's not a country, it's a business, now fucking pay me. Yeah, fucking pay me, yeah. And then the movie, black, done. Wow, that's pretty cool. And it's literally Brad Pitt, uh, Richard Jenkins at a bar, trying to collect his money for these hits. They're watching Obama on the screen talking about the country being a community and coming together, and it, it literally, that's his fire for... His, you know, you know, this is what you owe me. Give me the money, you know, because no. he's trying to nickel and dime him from what another hitman charge or whatever. Yeah, which actually, I that's probably my favorite part of the whole movie beyond the scene where he with the the, the slow mo shot, yeah, like the Ray Liotta scene, yeah, which I think is when you talk about style. I mean, it reminds me so much of like, it was almost over the top. It was so stylized. You yeah, know? it was. It, it, but I mean, I don't know whether like kind of reminded so, me of like David Fincher kind of. Yeah, it, it looked like a very David Fincher shot. I mean. Slow motion, he comes up, you know, he's kind of, you know... It's like a guy getting shot up while he's getting in a car wreck at the same time, and yeah. the shot's kind of happening from inside the car, and it's just slow motion, and you're seeing the bullet go through the hand, and then through the face. I mean, so it's the crazy... Yeah, uh, wow. Spoiler, Ray Liotta yeah. gets shot up and in a car wreck in this movie. But he like, always gets... But, like, it's... <laughs> I did think that wreck itself was kind of funny because it's one of those wrecks where you try to play it back in your mind and the guy, like, it's a it's a dead man behind the wheel and so the car rolls forward into the intersection. Mm. The guy in the other car must have been going 110 miles an hour because, like, <laughs> the way the cars hit each other and go around. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, it was so over the top that you, I mean, you mentioned David Fincher and I think this might be an apt comparison. It's so over the top that you know it's deliberate that it's over the top. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the way sometimes David Fincher will depict violence in such a way that you go, okay, he wants you to be uncomfortable. Yep. He wants you to think he's kind of lingering on this. Mm. What I was surprised to see in this movie is how much it mixed, like there's the over-the-top, super stylized violence mm-hmm. of the wreck scene that we just described. But also there's a there's a scene where also poor Ray Liotta in this movie gets oh, the shit beat yeah. out of him by two guys. And it's the most up-close and... I mean, it's maybe still a little stylized, but it's not. Visceral. I mean, it's very visceral. It's yeah. like every punch you feel. You, it's one you, of those. Scenes. You like hear. You like hear the hit. You know, and you feel yeah. the hit. You hear the bone. Mm. You know, or you know whatever. And it's it's like not a scene where some guys some guys are fighting. It's a scene where one guy's like holding a guy still while another guy beats him up yeah. and asks. You know, is in is the tr- rain trying to get information that kind of thing. So it's like some of the violence is really up close and personal and really visceral. Some of the violence is really stylized. This has to be a. An artistic choice, right? I mean, right, no, sure. direct, no director Absolutely. does both of those things accidentally. Right. So whereas um, I would say the movie was kind of uneven, I found it very interesting while I was watching it, try to, to figure out what the fuck kind of movie I was watching, you yeah. know? And then when you do get to what actually happens, it's a little disappointing because there's certain characters that you might like to see what they would, like, if, if you think it's going to be about, about, like, what's this character going to do now that he's cornered to get out of the situation... It's not the movie for you because nobody really does anything to get out of the situation that they're in. Everybody's right. kind of doomed and everybody's kind of on a track. In that way, it reminded me of uh, No Country for Old Men yeah. uh, because yeah. pretty much the minute that Josh Brolin's character gets the money in that, he's fucked, and everyone that he loves is fucked. <laughs> yeah, everyone that like he, you know, that so it's like yeah. this movie has a little bit of that in it that these guys make this mistake that this, they end up just kind of paying for for the rest of the movie. But talk about great filmmaking that heist scene was one of the most tense awesome. things I've ever seen. And I think that is like an instant classic scene, like the yeah. way that it was shot and the way it was acted. The so you talk about this. Yeah, that was, I was going to mention that too after I mentioned the car scene. Like the, I mean, just the way it was shot, and, and we, we should probably mention, uh, it's, it's Scoot McNary is mm-hmm. his name. He was in Argo. Yeah. His great scene in Argo. Mm-hmm. 
Um, That's the actor's name? Yeah. He was the guy in... He um, was kind of apprehensive to do the whole... Oh, I like him. He was kind of the most developed. into it at the end. Like right. at the airport where they wasn't he in the bay or am I imagining that he was he was scientist yeah. on the boat he, yep, was, he was I like him yeah I like him a lot he's in he's one of the one of the two guys that's involved in the heist and Ben we were Madison. talking about that how like every now and then an actor kind of has a year or yeah, a yeah. Like, this it's, was Scoot McNary's kind of stealth yeah, season yeah um, but yeah that that scene when they actually go go through with this heist um, on Ray Liotta's like card game ring uh, yeah I don't know just like. The lack of the lack of dialogue and mm-hmm. the, the the motions that some of the gentlemen are making, you know, w- when they're holding them up with a gun. Not to mention the sawed-off shotgun that Ben Mendelsohn gets a hold of yeah. is incredible. Really? Yeah. Literally, it's sawed off behind the actual cartridge shell. Yeah, like he's like, if I literally fire this, it's like a grenade goes off. Yeah, he's kind of he's got a lot of great lines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really it, it's darkly. I mean, there's a lot of funny, really funny moments. stuff. One yeah. of my favorite scenes, uh, one of my favorite lines, and it's Scoot McNary that delivers it. The guys also sounded like they were Boston guys too. The, well, the book takes place in Boston. Well, I kept thinking they were Boston guys, yeah. and that's why I was he sounds shocked. like Ben Affleck. So there's really? no black people, and everybody sounds like they're bo- they're from Boston. <laughs> like, so it has to be I? New Orleans. Right, right. <laughs> but um, and that's I am from the South, so you say New Orleans. <laughs> Don't correct me. Don't say New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. Um, uh. <laughs> That, Your line. <laughs> that'd be like saying you're going to eat some chitlings. You just don't say it. It's chitlins. Um, right, right. No, but um, I got totally sidetracked Scoot, by my Scoot silly line. regional observations. Oh, but when he says at one point to his buddy Russell, played by Ben Mendelsohn, who is literally they must be rubbing um, Vaseline on this guy before every shot because he just was fucking <laughs> greasy. greasy. Just greasy. <laughs> and like sweaty and greasy and like smoking and half out of it. But one of those characters, you, you always have to have... In this type of movie, if there's two guys going to pull off a heist, mm. you always have to have the slightly heroic or protagonist-like character. Trying to keep it together. That's trying to keep it together. And he has to have a friend who's a complete liability. <laughs> who's just course. a walk and talk and like, <laughs> like falls into a heroin nap like while he's talking to the guy about uh, whether to get hired. Um, but he just was exuding <laughs> sleeves. But there's a scene where the two of them, they're sitting in the car. And I honestly can't remember at what point in the... In the heist, there they has this, says this, but um, Scoot McNary says to Russell, the other guy played by Ben Mendelsohn, says, uh, uh, "I have it written down here. We're not the only smart guys in the world, and they're so clearly not only not not only not the only smart guys in the world, but not even that smart." You know, there was yeah. this great moment where like they're trying to outthink that they're like the other guys might have thought of this, they might have thought of this. Well, we're not the only smart guys in the world. You know, it's that type right. of like these are hard luck crooks that are scrabbling for for money and. Yeah, it's definitely one of those consequences are ugly kind of films. But um, I th- I thought it was interesting to see just how much it. One of the things that really made it look like the past too was that the constant smoking that always makes me think of movies of the past. But it looks like of... a movie from the past. I thought it took place like in the eighties. Yeah. that's actually when I thought it. The more you describe it, the more I want to see it. Though, like I, it sounds like my type of movie. I think, you know, I honestly, I think I said to you when we were talking about doing this record tonight, and I said that Killing Them Softly is, a, if you could pick one or the other, right. Killing Them Softly is a more interesting conversation to have, because Lincoln is kind of, it is what it is. Right. Killing Them Softly, there's so many things that I almost feel like you almost have to figure out about. You just like, got to go for it. I actually think you'd really like it. I think you I would. mean, I, knowing, your, you know, your taste and whatnot, like, I think you're beyond, like, the average person just roaming into a film like that, right. I think will hate it. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of the people that I saw with did not like it. As a side note, I just looked it up. The guy from the Bay, a different guy in Argo, different really? actor. Yeah, oh, not, okay. not Scoot. Really? Yeah, I forget. Is it's 
Uh, I'm looking it up real quick. So Excuse you can forget me. everything I said about Scoot McNary's no, big year. No, he's still having a good year. No, he's not. Argo Steve. No, and, Steve. Yes. No, he's not. <laughs> I quit. Scoot, I give, you, I give you kudos, my friend. But, yeah, I mean, I think... Really, though, he, he wins the name derby. That's Scoot for damn McNary. sure. You know how many reviews I've read where they write oh, Scott? Yeah. They have his name wrong, which yeah. I think is hilarious. But um, what I wanted to say, like, you kind of mentioned it with the whole timeline and where it takes place with the politics. I think really where Andrew Dominic kind of put his hand on this novel adaptation and in his and his screenwriters kind of stepped in was, you know, <laughs> deciding when adapting this for the for the screen, you know, that this is really a story of of about economic about economics, you know, whether. In, when it when it came out in the seventies, you know they had their motivations for pulling off this heist. But in in this world in two thousand eight, where they where they wanted to set it, mm. it's it goes way beyond that, and it talks more about the economic crisis in the economy and, and how it affected everybody. Yeah. You know, James Gandolfini has a small role in the film as New York Mickey, who's like a go to hitman mm. that Brad Pitt brings in for this job, and he you know and once he's there, once he's here. Uh, <clears throat> Brad Pitt's character realizes how much everything's affected him as well. He's not this go-to anymore. He's a liability now. Yeah. Just like so many things well, I found myself, in I, the world. You know I, what I mean? I, I, I thought, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, it's like... Um, what was, what was Scoot's character's name? Frankie. Frankie. Yeah. Frankie is to his buddy Russell kind of what Jackie yeah. is to Mickey, what yep. Brad Pitt is to the James Gandolfini character, yeah. where he's got, like, this guy who he used to, you know, either he's partnered with or he's worked with him or he used to trust him, mm. but now he sees the guy's just falling apart. And he's, like, symbolically... Everything about James Gandolfini's oh. character is symbolic of someone, like, in a form of decay. Like, mm. he drinks too much. He's got whores coming in and out of his hotel room. Mm. He's he's kind of erratic. He's It sounds like he's sort of postponing... He's on the run. He's kind of postponing the job. Yeah, he's on the run from the law. He's kind of postponing the job that he's there to do. Uh. And, and, you know, the way that that gets resolved is very... I mean... It, I, I I bet there's a much longer edit of this movie that has some of the stuff that happens off screen happening on screen because some of these characters kind of come and go. Right. But I did think, yeah, you, it, it, it's more important to like the message, mm-hmm. like what's in the movie has more to do with the message than with the plot. Right. So like some of those characters and scenes that, you know, again, you could imagine the people that added to that cinema score F were thinking, well, what was that in there for? Yeah. And oh, yeah, I will absolutely. agree with a little bit of that. Like, well, it was definitely one of those movies where you have to kind of figure out, well, why did we just sit through 15 minutes of that when right. it didn't amount to anything? But it's much more conceptual. It's much more about the economy. And I also think I found myself thinking, and since we all we all met working retail, so we can mm. all appreciate the the notion of that middle management person. Oh yeah. Who who they've got? I mean, again, uh, the the perception at times can be like if you're a manager mm. and you've got people working above you and people working below you. Everyone below you is running around bumping into each other. They don't know what they're doing. Everyone above you is removed from the realities. You're yeah. just kind of trying to stay together and you trying to keep you're trying to stay professional. The Brad Pitt character very much is kind of like a middle manager Absolutely. in a company. That's a great, he's got like that's a great very point. bureaucratic people above him that don't really understand what he's dealing with. Right. And expect him to have these results. And then he's trying to get people to work for him that are just not like he ends up having to do a lot of things himself, himself. Yeah. that he wouldn't have to do if the people underneath him or the people that he's kind of subcontracting and it is funny to say the word subcontracting, but you do get the sense of crime being a business. Oh, absolutely. Right down to the way that the Richard Jenkins character, the way he and Brad Pitt relate, it's totally like 
the corporate guy and the the guy who's actually doing the job. Gotcha. The, the, the dirty hands. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a scene. I, I thought it was it was a great statement about the morality in the film. There's a scene where there there's a few scenes where they're sitting in Richard Jenkins's car talking. Um, and Brad Pitt at one point takes a, a cigarette to light it, and R- Richard Jenkins says, don't smoke in my car. <laughs> and Brad Pitt kind of thinks about it for a second, and he goes ahead and lights up. But I thought that was a great statement about, like, we, we've got these, these guys are killing each other and robbing from each other and, you know, all these awful things, and Richard Jenkins is like, don't don't stink up my car. You know, for whatever you do, please right. don't stink up my car. And just shows kind of shows how far removed he is from the work that's being done. Yeah. I don't know how accurate any of that is to like the way crime works, but mm-hmm. it felt sort of real to me. I mean, like as heightened and as kind of like you said, dark comic kind of yeah. As much as of a dark comedy as it was, um, it it definitely felt like I could see that there's still somebody's got to figure. You know, this hitman's making this much money for this hit. Somebody's got to be like the middleman. Someone's got to be the guy who kind of brokers the deal. Someone's right. got to be the the person who sets the terms. And you sort of see a little bit of that mm. in this movie. You know, I think one of the things I liked a lot about the movie was when you kind of see where the whole heist comes in. Like, I guess the motivation or or the inroad that they have to, that they think to pull this off. Mm-hmm. And you know, I guess I don't want to ruin everything, but I mean. Ray Liotta's character, what he did to his own game mm-hmm. in the movie because of a lack of, uh, I guess, a lack of regulation or something happening, it all kicks off because of that. And I think there's a really dark yeah. mirror to, like, the economy. And I, a lot of these political things, I didn't go into the movie thinking I'd have anything to think about. Like, or, I don't know mm-hmm. where it would hit me. After the movie, I, like, sat back and I was, like, connecting all these things. Yeah. I, I think about the fact that somebody like Ray Liotta's character can do can perform a crime to his own game. Mm-hmm. And all I think about is the financial bailout and things like that. And it, there's so many connections to that. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of cool after the fact that I can put that together. But yeah. in the moment in the theater, enjoying this movie or, or not, depending if you were one of those people, who were yeah. people <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's a challenge. I don't Apparently if you, if you were anyone who got a cinema score card, you didn't like this movie as much as Steve and I did. <laughs> yeah, I did like the movie. I mean, I, 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 I thought Brad Pitt was, I thought he was great in it. I think he, what I love is about him now is he's, he's so, I think he's, so he's got consistent. that, he's got that thing going on where he shows his age and this movie was not shot to hide the fact that the guy's hovering around 50 or whatever he is. Which is insane. Right. It is insane. Yeah. But that those guys are becoming like the elder statesman. I, I, you know what I mean? You, you always love when you can tell, when you can see the guy's age and you can see definitely. the character. And Brad Pitt is definitely... I feel uh, like Robert Redford... Like a much more interesting actor than, than I thought he was at first. And this type of... He's great in this. I mean... Yeah, I agree. He really commands the screen. The only thing that's a bit of a bummer is that I do think a truly great film is like lurking within this... Uh, decent it's, film it's, it's, yeah. and it's it's, it it's so it's really interesting though i think that yeah, the the political part of it it's just that it's not subtle that's the only problem i really uh, have with it is like the they'll just have like speeches on the radio or political speeches going on and kind of overlaid over the action and it it you find yourself kind of like i mean it's not like it's inherently pretentious just to have something on your mind yeah. but the movie did not do a very good job of kind of integrating those threads except in the way that, as Steve mentioned, if you pour it over in your head, you can kind of you put some of these things together. So it's definitely interesting as a movie, though. I don't know. I mean, I admire the the as I said before, I kind of admire the the kooky structure of it yeah. more than I am put off by it. But it was by no means perfect, you know. Perfect. But I, I want to see. Wouldn't, the, wouldn't you rather see something, try something interesting, and yeah, maybe that's not what I was quite get say it? that. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going to say I'd rather have a challenge a little bit. People like, really don't like that sort of thing at all. And that 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 score reflects it. You know what I mean? And 
I I did read that there's like a two and a half hour cut of this film. Like in mm. the first cut that the, that the director delivered was that long, and I guess they were like, no, that's not happening. Mm. So I'd be curious to see that to see if anything else is fleshed out. Um, I do want to say one last thing about like the political piece of it, because I am by no means a political person at all. Yeah, ever really in conversation, but you know, researching it and like reading it and thinking about this movie for the podcast, it's really interesting to me to to really kind of pick up on some of those very some subtle, some not so subtle nuances that a, that a filmmaker really takes the time to put into a movie. Yeah, which literally the entire movie, and and you can if you picked up on that. All of the TVs in the background and the radios playing the speeches that mm-hmm. Bush is talking, you know, Obama, you know, the debate, whatever is going on in the background, it kind of does walk you through the film. It, yeah. do, it does walk you through, you know, I talk about the bailout. There's literally a piece of dialogue where Bush Jr. is, you know, or W is saying that, you know, this is a necessary thing. You know, we have to bail these financial institutions out. And it goes right in tandem with, Mm-hmm. You know, the whole Ray Liotta scene that I was referencing before. And then the end scene when mm-hmm. Obama's talking about this sense of community driver, which is Richard Jenkins character, is talking to Brad Pitt about, oh, you know, this is what he charged me. This, you know, aren't you guys working together? And it's all about like this, com- this quote unquote community of hitmen that mm-hmm. work with one another. Yeah. And that's where the line's drawn. And that's why I love that last line so yeah. much. Not that I say that I agree with it, yeah. but in the context of this film, it is a line in the sand, and mm-hmm. it's obvious what side you know the main character is on. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. I think the fact that afterwards I can, I can kind of think back to the scenes and taking notes and, and writing down some dialogue that I heard in those background radio broadcasts or everything, and I think about the scene that they were in. It really does kind of well, pair what up. It, what it does is it builds up to that moment. Yes, absolutely. It builds up to the moment when he just kind of lays it down, and what you don't really expect, and what I have to admit is maybe one of my favorite things about this movie. And any movie that does this, and I think we've actually discussed this, is just knowing when to go to black. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like sometimes leaving you with a little thought. I mean, again, as much as people didn't like the last episode of The Sopranos, oh, yeah, that going to black, it's like it leaves you with something to think about. When something yeah. goes to black before the action's done, it doesn't fade while someone's, you know, does, it's not a crane shot while two people are kissing. It's <laughs> yeah. not a, it's just Chinatown, Jack, leave it. You know, it's not, it's not one of those last moments. It's like a moment that you didn't know was a last moment until yeah. the screen went black. And then you sat there going... Whoa, 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 you know, and then and that's what and, forces and me. And then the first the credit dots. comes up on the screen. The last movie that did that this year that I think we've even talked about was Looper. Right. It just it's oh, like yeah. it went to black, and you sort of feel this kind of like, oh, okay, a filmmaker just decided when this movie was going to end, and yeah. didn't feel like they had to give me thirty minutes of hobbits jumping up and down on a bed or anything like that to 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 feel like a movie has ended, you know. And yeah. I think that that's something. All these movies that are super long that we sometimes complain about, it's it's not knowing when it's not knowing when or how to end a movie. That is sure. a huge problem for yeah. me. So I again, obviously this ending of this movie didn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. But it really did build up to that moment. And when he's basically saying, Fuck promises, where's my money? Yeah. You know, it that's the theme. That's the theme of the whole thing. Because it's not so much like where's my money is the theme of the whole thing, but the theme is like promises mean dick. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that's that's what I want you to take from this episode of Movie Show. <laughs> Promises mean dick. Promises mean dick. Yeah, definitely see it, Ronald. I, I, I I'd be very it. surprised if you didn't enjoy it. Um, yeah, I'm, just I'm, the, I'm now that we've completely spoiled it for you, no, I don't I'll, really enjoy I'll still, it. I'll yeah. still see it. I, I know, honestly, I think that I would still recommend people to see it. I'll go against you know the cinema rating. Yeah, no, score. I was. I, I've recommended it to about three or four people since I saw it. You know, with with trying to have them pump the brake a little bit and say, because I feel like the same thing happened in the drive. 
You know, oh, like yeah. how it was kind of marketed a little bit, and like literally, people sued the studio over like the way they felt yeah. about Drive in the theater. Like it dismissed. But there were a lot of also there were also a lot of people really raving about Drive. I haven't heard that quite well, I mean, about I think this. It has movie. like a seventy some percent or yeah. eighty or oh, it does on like Rotten Tomatoes. I think yeah. yeah I mean, which is that's that's fresh. Well, I think that? That, you know now that I I I sound surprised, but I do remember reading that and thinking. That it's strange that Cinema Score yes. okay, is okay. such a specific type of moviegoer and such a specific sort of hot off the movie kind of reaction. Whereas on Rotten Tomatoes, it's critics and you're you know it's like they're weighing more than just the immediate audience reaction to. But film. here's the key about that Cinema Score rating is that that's the word of mouth. Yeah, that, that is, no, you're right. That's the, the longevity. That's the, the legs that, said, that they want. Oh, you went to go see the new Brad Pitt movie? How was it? It was terrible. We hated it. it you that's know? it. Yeah, and that that can that's the that's People the movie's are, done. Man, you it's, know? It's it's hard. I feel like Ronald started down and he's only gotten lower. It's hard to talk to people about movies like that though. Like it's well, that's you, what I'm you, saying. Like who I recommended to, I try to say, you know, don't worry about like these negative things. Like don't read any reviews mm-hmm. and don't go in there thinking that it's the trailer that you saw. Mm-hmm. Just you know, open mind. You know, it is. It does have to do with you know mob and hitmen and whatnot, but. Just be having an open mind. You know, like I try to pump the brake a little bit because I feel like the wrong expectation's been set. And I mean that's that's what's going to lead to a score yeah. like that. And unfortunately, yeah. this movie's done. It's it's not going to be. It, it's yeah. honestly the Weinstein company. I think just dumped it to begin mm-hmm. with. I think they just dumped it this weekend, this past weekend. And I think they didn't know how to market it. And, you know, I don't know how you do market it. It's a tough film to sell. There's a there's a great bit of like movie shorthand in it though that I want to mention just before we leave the subject, yeah. which is um, Ben Mendelsohn, the guy who plays Russell, the greasy friend. I've, I didn't think about it until I saw it in this movie, but it's always a sign that the movie makers are definitely trying to let you know that a person is sleazy if, they, um, if they're eating and smoking a cigarette at the same time. <laughs> yeah. That's a, oh, I feel like that's something Danny DeVito has probably done in a lot of movies. <laughs> but there's a scene where Russell walks up on a nice hot day and he's smoking a cigarette and eating a popsicle, like eating like a, a creamsicle, like, yeah, like a Heath Bar yeah. style with like the crunchy... Oh. Uh, and it's like you can't tell what he's eating, but you can definitely see him, you know, puffing on a butt. And then when he gets up there, he's still eating the popsicle. And you just think, like, you know, that his mouth <laughs> tastes bad. He can't even be enjoying that popsicle. His right. taste buds are so dead. So yeah, smoking and eating at the same smoking time. Smoking and eating at the that's gross. Yeah, that's pretty gross. That's also a person who's trying to pack too much into life. I think. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, <laughs> you got to space those things out. That's gross. I don't know. I say go see it. Yeah, it's it's tough to say you know that you're gonna like it, but I'd give it a shot. I'd always see anything. I'm that Brad Pitt guy. I mean, he's like one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Same. I would love to see anything he's in. But well, I wouldn't recommend it to just anyone. But I do think Ronald in particular. Like, I think you would appreciate some of the stuff that we're talking about. Like the way that it is. It it tries so many different things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't know that that's again. That's not necessarily a statement about what a success it is. But yeah. you would not get bored while you're watching. And it's right. also pretty short. Yeah, it's like an hour and a half. Yeah, really? it's, it's short. Yeah. I'll go see it. So Lincoln's in theaters. Kill him softly's in theaters. Every other movie that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast is either in theaters or on DVD. Yeah. Um, SC end of watch. Oh, I got it. Yeah, man, that's on my list now. And you, and you need that's to back see, out. You need to see let let me in. I do. You I have do. to. I do. Yeah, end of watch. I read that that as well as uh, Joe Carnahan's The Gray. They're doing like uh, I guess not not qualify, but like they basically want to reintroduce the films for contention okay. consideration. Mm. So I think I think The Gray is only going to really be playing initially in like two theaters out in California. But I did read that end of watch may get a couple more. I mean, because apparently like Rob, Roger Ebert, uh, like 
named it like one of his top films of the year. Oh, yeah. So like they're all on the boat now oh. about like we need to try to cause I think they're trying to get possibly best film. I don't think it's going to happen, no, but and in the two acting categories, the actor and supporting actor for uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena. I got to see it, man. I've never heard nothing but positive. Yes. And with you raving about that, like it's it's going to be seen with the next 24 hours. you like Southland like I like Southland. Oh, uh, we talk about so. Southland all the time. So, yeah, so I, I'll need to see End of Watch. But. So you'll be back next week, folks, for the great remake debate. That's going to be intense. Hopefully it's the first of many. Because I think this could go on forever. I'm going to have some brass knuckles with me. As long as I have hard drive space for us to record <laughs> yeah. onto, this, this debate can rage. It'll be intense. I'm putting my cock on the table. <laughs> I don't know what wow. that mean. I don't know what that meant in relation to this conversation. You know, you know maybe I should set up like standing mics that night. That might be. <laughs> it has felt very appropriate for that. I want to. I want you to know this is a family table. Yeah. <laughs> Meals my, have been eaten. On my this son table. colors on this table. <laughs> <laughs> not after the next episode, he won't yeah, be. Right. No, <laughs> Henry, don't do that. Don't Why do not? That. Just don't do it. A not a very happy ending. Not a very happy. Don't ending. don't put your sippy cup down there. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Reconsider. All right, guys. So every every week we say, but check out moviesmovie.net. Mm-hmm. John, we got we got you up there now. We, we got to get you on the yeah, site. John's going to start John getting involved is a with it. Contributor, which he should have been months ago. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're very uh, quick on the. We, these we things. just abolished. <laughs> now I have to contribute something. Yeah, yeah. God damn. Uh, and then we have the moviesmovie at gmail.com If you have any suggestions, but most importantly, as we always say, the iTunes is where it's mm-hmm. at in terms of subscribing, rating. Even if you don't even want to subscribe, you can go to the page and listen to us and yeah. even just like share our link on Facebook and just do us a I saw that somebody reviewed us as recently as October 4th. Wow. Really? And I want to say, I'll, someone out there, knock that person off the pedestal. Let, yeah. let's, let's see a December review on there. Hey, now. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Hi, yo. That, but wait a minute. That means that for the last four weeks, all of our imploring people to go and leave has a done review nothing. has done nothing. <laughs> Who are you? Who is listening? Right. How do you know soul? Let us know. Listening. It's the holiday season. Right. Give us one thing. It's a rating. Right. A rating. How hard? Or even is some it? stars. Just move your goddamn fingers and click that goddamn I would button. leave a I would leave a glowing review if I wasn't afraid. It would say <laughs> like because you know my Gmail address is John Walker, co-host of movie schmovie at gmail.com. So it would be too right, it'll be too blatant. Too self-serving. Very obvious. Right. Very obvious. I gotcha. Yeah, so hit those uh channels up. Let us know what you think. Uh any suggestions for episodes. We're really trying to get into the idea of not always just reviewing films, but maybe having conversations on certain topics like the remakes and, you know, just oh, kind yeah. of things of that nature or the holiday films that we did a little while ago. Um, so if you have any cool suggestions, I mean, throw them our way. We're always open to... to uh, Even if you have any stupid suggestions, we'll hear yeah. them out. Yeah, we'll hear them and then we'll just write back and say, no, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. Don't ever email us Or again. we'll just say it on air and say your email address. <laughs> and have everybody else... <laughs> this stupid email is from a jackass. <laughs> right all right, and that marks the end of this podcast. Ronald's like he's 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 <laughs> poor Ronald. We've he's kept like him up giddy past right now. <laughs> he's, he's just so having so I, much see, fun. I, I sense a real sadness that he didn't see. Killing I know, man. This <laughs> yeah. Oh, guys, you could you could have talked with me about Greasy Russell. We right. Could've. I would have loved to have talked to him. <laughs> we could talk about Abu Nazir after this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What a bastard, by All right, way. guys. Thank you so much for listening to uh, episode 53 <laughs> of the Movie For Me podcast. And as always, you've made our day. Now give my fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> now fucking pay me. Fucking pay me. <laughs>